Hi, this is Marissa Meyer. And this is Delaney. And this is Sloan. And you're listening to the Prince Kai Fan Pod. Welcome to episode 172 of the Prince Kai Fan Pod, a Marissa Meyer Book Club podcast where Captain is King, Marissa is Queen, and I am your host, Bethany Finger. Today's episode is brought to you by Rampy and Crew Patron supporters. Thank you. Please welcome back Barb from Badass Literature Society Podcast. Boop, boop. Happy to be here. <laughs> I feel like I haven't recorded with you in a million years. I feel like I, it goes in, in months and spurts and stuff. Yeah. Uh-huh. Like, like, I haven't recorded with you in forever, and then it's like, it actually wasn't that long ago. You're right. Really dramatic, right. And I'm like, oh, okay, well... <laughs> That's how it feels sometimes. I mean, you so. know, months is a long time in the grand, not in the grand right. scheme of things, but in podcast worlds, I feel like that's a lot, you know? Yeah, because there's a lot going on in a month. Mm-hmm. I know you've been on episodes, but let's pretend it's your very first episode. Do you want to go ahead and remind everyone who you are and what your podcast is? Yes, so I am Barbara, obviously, and uh, I am one of three on our podcast, the Badass Literature Society podcast, and you can find us pretty much anywhere podcasts are available to you. And um, we just review books that most people recommend over to us, and we've got a long list to go through. And uh, we're monthly in the sense of reviewing podcasts, and then we do, like, a bonus fun episode that can be over anything, really. Sometimes we do random other books if we have time to read them, and then if not, it's just completely random. So it's a, a nice little mix bag of randomness for bonus episodes, so. Nice. Yes. Did you know there's an audio drama of Lunar Chronicles? So, I don't know if I know what <laughs> audio drama is. audio drama just, like, a book but audio form? Is that what audio drama is? I'm not sure no, if I'm familiar it's, they're with like, that. They're, they're acting out the scenes, but all you get is audio. Kind of like an old radio show where they have, like, the noise in the background okay. and different voice actors. Okay. Um, and there's somebody narrating some of the scenes, but mostly mm. it's the dialogue and the acting. Um, and it's very well done. You can find mm. it on YouTube and Instagram. Okay. Um, they've actually been going for two months. And considering I'm a Lunar Chronicles podcast, I'm, like, slightly ashamed of myself that I had no idea this thing existed. <laughs> well, like, I mean, yeah. Some, someone was talking to me, and they were like, what do you think of the audio drama? And I'm like, you're going to have to fill in some blanks right. because I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> what are you talking about, first off? <laughs> and then I'm so silly. I went, and I listened, and I was like, this is so great. I need to reach out to them. And I go to Instagram, and they follow me on Instagram. I didn't even realize it. Oh, well, I mean, so I, I messaged them, and I was like, hey, I'd love to, like, work together. Mm-hmm, I don't mm-hmm. know if you know who I am, um, but I have a podcast about this stuff. <laughs> That's exciting. <laughs> they did all of Cinder, and you can listen to it in, like, an hour, because it's basically just the dialogue with a little bit of narration for mm. context. Okay. And then they're going to do Scarlet. They're starting Scarlet next month, I think, in um, August of 2023. So very, okay. um, very exciting. Highly recommend if you uh, to all the listeners. I, Quint and I are sitting there like, damn, they're so good. Like while we were listening to it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Obviously, I don't know what audio drama is, but I've, I mean, I've heard the term, but I guess I didn't know what exactly what it was. So it's basically like an old uh, radio show. You know what I should do is I should play a clip of the audio drama right now. One, so you can hear it and know mm. what I'm babbling yeah. about. But 
but too, then listeners will know what it is and why I think yes. they should go and listen to it. I feel... Barbara, you know how well I plan ahead <laughs> on everything. <laughs> My goodness. Okay, episode one. I'll just play, like, a little bit. different actor for each character so the voice for Kai specifically I think is so well done it's so good with the like flirty sarcasm Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. um for some reason Adri has a British accent but I don't mind it because she's like so hoity-toity I could see her like pretending to have a British accent anyways (laughs) to like make herself look better so like I'm fine with it um Eco's voice is perfection like just yeah, I highly encourage everyone to go listen to I'm it. I'm definitely going to check it out now, because the little, like I said, the Yay. little that I got, I really enjoyed, so, and I like, I mean, I like listening to stuff when I'm working, whenever I can, actually. Same. Same. Speaking of listening to stuff, because all I do is listen to audiobooks <laughs> while I try to navigate the chaos that is my life, so we're going to talk about what we're reading, um, slash currently listening to. So you are, like, reading... The Three Body Problem, is that right? Yes, that's for the podcast, and we're going to do the uh, okay. review at the end of July. The end of July Ooh. will be out. And I just finished that one, so it's definitely a Michael book. It's science fiction, <laughs> and it's a little over my head, like because it's very detailed in the science fiction part. So I was just like, um, right. <laughs> I don't know how any of this works. <laughs> So, but it, it was good. It was good. So look out for that review later this month. Yeah. And then for funsies, I'm reading Babel by um, R.F. Kwong. Fun. It's a big old For book. all of life. <laughs> for all of life, I'm reading a lot of things. Okay, so I just finished My Roommate is a Vampire by Jenna Levine. I, I love me I've some vampire books. Me too. So this one I would give a three out of five. Okay. Like would recommend. It's a good book. Or like maybe. I, if you're in the, there's 
for me personally, mm. the vampire scale was like a two out of ten. Like he could have easily just been some bloke, and it would have also worked. Oh. And I need mm. like more vampire in my book than yeah, that. Yeah, Like if I'm gonna read <laughs> spoiler, a vampire, well, spoiler yeah. alert. I mean, if I guess. I'm gonna read a vampire book, like I want my vampires. I need vampire. more vampire. Yeah. It needs to be like. I, there needs to be, like, a reason he's a vampire, mm-hmm. and then, like, some, their plot has got to center around that in, at least a little bit. Right. At least a little bit. It's just, like, this is a love story, and he just so happens to be a vampire. Mm-hmm. If you like rom-coms, I would definitely encourage you to read it. I did enjoy the rom-com aspect. The reason I give it a 3 out of 5 is because uh, I just felt like if it was going to be a vampire book, you should have vampires. You're right. Like, That's just a personal preference. Yeah, agreed. Um, That's yeah. I don't know if anybody else does this where they read a book and they have an opinion and they go on Goodreads for, like, justification and validation. I do. I'm like, <laughs> I do, and I try to find <laughs> reviews that, like, mimic yes, what I'm thinking. What I'm I like, did. yes, okay, good, I'm not the only one. No, if I can't find it, I'm like, oh, crap, am I the only one yes. who's thinking about this? No, it's 100%. Like, at least half the reviews I looked at were like, great book. Why is he a vampire if this book has nothing to do with vampires? So I I felt very justified (laughs) in that. I don't know. I was telling Quentin, and he's like, did you just say you get validation from other readers about your opinion on a book? And I was like, don't judge me. You're not a reader. You don't understand this community. Exactly. (laughs) It's a thing, okay? It's a thing. It is a thing. So what else did I read? I read the Insatiable series by Meg Cabot, Insatiable and um, um, Overbite, both really mm-hmm. good, actually did include vampires, so it was really great to read that after being so, like, vampire-deprived from my last book. I didn't know um, Meg Cabot wrote a vampire book. I loved me some Meg Cabot when I was a kid. Oh my god, I love Meg Cabot. Oh, she has yeah. so many books, it's ridiculous. Yeah, um, same. But this yeah. one, the first one is called Insatiable, mm-hmm. the second one is called Overbite. They are both on Scribd. Okay, I'm going to have to check that out because so, I love me some yeah, Meg I mean, I, highly I have Meg recommend. They were good. in my bookcase over Repertoire. there. Repertoire. Yes. Yeah, and yeah I me didn't too. Know she I has like a vampires. whole shelf at my... <laughs> um, but yeah, it's an adult uh, vampire series. Like so, how adult um, is adult? Like, well... Well, there's no spice if that's okay. what you're asking. No, I'm not in, like, <laughs> no, I'm, I'm not into the spice yeah, factor either. I, I so don't I get a mind it if it has it, but like if I'm not prepared for it, and I'm like, oh, yeah, you know, I'm like, oh, I was not expecting <laughs> this to just be like that, like, and that um, happens. I didn't. Uh, yeah, that happened to me. I like picked up a book and I was like, uh, just thinking it was gonna be something, and then it got to a spicy scene. I was like, oh my gosh, oops. <laughs> Let me read this up, not at work. I've done that before <laughs> when I'm listening to it, and mm. I listen, like, while we're playing video games, and <laughs> <laughs> so every once in a while, Quentin will be playing video games with me, mm-hmm. and if we're playing a different video game, then, like, he's got his headset on, he's on Discord, he's chilling with those boys, mm-hmm, like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. we're doing our own separate things, so the only one listening to the book is me. But if we're playing together, and he, like, randomly takes off his headphones, and I'm like, it just, like, I'm really sorry, dude, but this is the point. You, It just, bad timing is all, Isn't like. Isn't it always that moment? I swear. Like, I will be at work And I fast reading. forward through those parts, mm-hmm. so it's awkward because I'll be, like, fast forwarding, and he'll be like, wait, what did she say? And I'm like, don't worry about it. Like, do you do your thing. I'm going to do my thing. Yeah. 
Yeah, like I said, I don't mind reading them. It's fine. Like, it, it's, you know, but, like, when I'm at work, I don't, I can't be reading that kind of stuff during my lunch break. I, time and a place. Exactly. Yeah. That is not the time nor the place for me to be reading spicy things. So I'm like, oh, you know, maybe I want to put this back and we'll, we'll come back to when I'm at home. Right, like, let me take this into consideration. Yeah. Um, so I also read Debating Darcy. I am very sorry if I say this name wrong. Please correct me if I'm wrong, but it's Sayantani Desgupta. Hmm. Desgupta. I'm really not sure I don't think um, I how to say that. that so I'm very sorry. Also, because I met her at North Texas Teen Book Festival, like I got in the signing line and she signed my book. So I feel oh, really bad that awesome. I can't pronounce her name. But it's a teen retelling of uh, Pride and Prejudice with a debate team twist. Ooh. And it's actually very good. That sounds really um, good. I read, yeah. I read Hunted by Megan Spooner, which is a Beauty and the Beast um, retelling. Mm. That's a pretty good one, also on Scribd. Love by Design, because I haven't recorded in two weeks, so this is everything I've read in the last two weeks. Holy crap. (laughs) You're one of those people. I am. Ah, I'm so jealous. Two of these are audiobooks, so I still count it as reading, but... Um, it does take up a lot less time. One, I'll put it on like two point speed, mm. and two, mm-hmm. I'm doing it while I do other things. When I'm reading, I can't. Um, I, yeah, I can't always do that, yeah. right? Um, and then so the the last one, what is it? I wrote I read Dating the Undead by Juliet Lyons. Ooh, is that um, I thought it was gonna be, yeah, I thought it was gonna be zombies, but it was vampires, but it was fine. Oh, okay. Because it was still really good. Yeah. So, um, I also read. Uh, Love by Design, which was by Kristen Tazen. That is a really, really cute little, like, rom-com. Mm-hmm. It was a nice palate cleanser, because I thought I was going to be done with vampires for a while, and then I found the Meg Cabot, and was like, <laughs> nope, we're diving back in. Um, <laughs> Beauty and the Beast by Jenny James. It's like a middle-grade book, mm-hmm. so it is very naive, but in a good way. Mm-hmm. Um, again, I thought I needed a palate cleanser, and then I found... Love and Other Wild Things by Molly Harper and How to Date Your Dragon by Molly Harper, which are, um, like, mystical stories set in New Orleans. Oh, okay. So, those are really cool. Um, and that's, that's it. That's what I've read since our, my last recording, I think. That's, that's it. She just drops that little, (laughs) that's it, guys. I just, you know, named, like, 20 books, but that's it. (laughs) Well, because I, I was doing, like, what I was in the middle of reading, mm. and I would get emails from people of, like, I saw on your Goodreads all these books, and you never mentioned them. Uh, and I was like, oh, well, I'm only doing, like, what I'm currently reading. Right. Um, which today is You Only Die Twice by Bryn Kelly, which is so good. She, like, writes this um, spy novel about these two covert spies that, like, fall in love and ends in tragedy and then some guy shows up at her work and subpoenas her and she's like wait 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 all the characters are fiction and he's like no they're not peace out oh that sounds interesting yeah so that's really good everybody should go read it um that's what i'm enjoying right now Ooh, that does sound like a lot when I say it. It doesn't feel like it when I'm reading them, but, like, when I have to come, like, two weeks after recording and I have to be like, this is everything that I've done, then it feels like a lot. Yeah. See, I wish. Which is interesting because I actually, I'm behind on my reading challenge oh, for good reason. Because my challenge was 100, um, and I'm only at, like, 58. So I'm actually behind a little bit. I'm but a, not much, not gosh. much. I wish I could listen to audiobooks. But I do not have 
the bandwidth to do what I'm doing and listen to something at the same time. My brain cannot do that. I'm not an audio I'm learner. the opposite. Oh, really? I cannot, I cannot function. I can't focus on just, like, one thing mm. at a time. Even recording, I'm usually crocheting. The only reason we're not right now is because now I do a camera and I didn't use <laughs> to do cameras, so I feel like it would be weird. If I, I mean... Just, but usually, while I'm rec- even recording, I'm, like, crocheting something. That's intense. Um, so you're... See, yeah. I, I wish I had that type of a brain where I could... Like, I can multitask at work in the sense, like, I can listen to music or something and then focus on work. But, like, if I'm writing stuff for work... I can't listen to podcasts or anything. Yeah, I can't do it while I'm writing. Yeah. But while I was working, like I used to do data entry, mm-hmm. I would listen to books and podcasts all day. See, I um, can't but what that. I always tell people is to start out with something you're familiar with mm-hmm. that you know you'll enjoy. Mm-hmm. So um, my go-to is Harry Potter. Yeah, I was going to say that would be Harry Potter for me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So Okay, we should do podcast things. So let's talk about... Some fan art Friday. So first fan art Friday is from Haddock's Art. It's beautiful, like intimate moment between uh, Jason and Winter. I love the purple right now because obviously Speak Now came out two days ago, so the world is like a purple mm-hmm. lilac bubble, mm-hmm. um, which makes me happy because like literally every time I've gone outside since then and I see somebody in purple, we like look at each other like yes, yes Taylor, and like <laughs> yes because. That's why we're all wearing purple, mm-hmm. and we all know that that's why mm-hmm. we're wearing purple. Speak now era. Yeah, so. Exactly. I also really like the crescent moon on Jason's, like, lapel, I guess. And something I really appreciate, and I know this is kind of like a small, minute detail, he has a ponytail. Uh, now, here's why I appreciate <laughs> that. In the books, he has a ponytail. I feel like half the fan art I see of him, yeah, has he just has, hair. like, messy blonde yeah. hair. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Now, I will say this is slightly inaccurate because I don't think for one second Jason would be in uniform with messy hair. Yeah. He's just, he doesn't, you know. Yeah, his personality but doesn't scream it's in messy. a ponytail, so, like, mm-hmm. yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. It's the same with Torin. Like, there was one time Torin, we had fan art of Torin, and his hair was, like, perfectly combed, and I'm like, yeah, exactly. Yes, exactly. That's, yes. I completely yeah. agree. That makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> what do you think of this fan art? Uh, well, I mean, everything you said. I, it's funny you mentioned the ponytail because that's the first thing I noticed because I was like, oh, finally. Like you mentioned, a lot of people don't <laughs> have him with the longer hair. I have seen like one where it's like really long, but I didn't picture him with that long of hair where it was kind of like my length, like all the way to like mid-back. And then it had it like on the nape of his neck where he had it tied up. But this one I think is more what I pictured his hair to look like. So I really, I enjoyed that. Obviously purple. And the little moon, I did notice that until you pointed it out. And I really do think that's a cute little um, addition. Yeah. It's like a pendant on his like cloak. I don't know. I like it though. So this artwork, this next one is also by Haddock's. This particular one I really love because I feel like it has, like, a um, a red-orange glow to it. Like, there's fire in the background. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, the, the world is burning, but their love conquers all. That's what I got. <laughs> <laughs> I love Wolf and Scarlet. They're my favorite couple, and this was always such a 
powerful, intimate scene between mm-hmm. the two of them because they actually don't get a lot of page time where they're physically right. <laughs> together. Right, after her, yeah, I was going to say, after their little stint together in um, um, Scarlet, it kind of, they are not together, so. Yeah, they're pulled apart mm-hmm. for almost, for all, all of it, yeah. basically. Yeah. And then they get back together in winter for like a day and a half and they're separated again, again. so. Yeah. Yeah, they actually don't spend a lot of physical time in the same space, which is why I think their love is so impressive, Mm -hmm. that they're just so, like, into each other. Yeah, I just love this art of it. Yes, this one's really, really nice. I also like the battle scars. Yeah, yeah, very accurate. Yeah. Of course. I'm always just so amazed by people and their art. Like, I wish I was that. I know, right? Uh, a lot of skills I don't have as being an artist is one of them. <laughs> I know. So you can find Haddocks and more of their artwork on Instagram. There will be links in the show notes for their profiles. Patreon members got to vote on chapter titles. Winter, chapter 84, is The Great War by Taylor Swift. Oh, yes. Great. And... Barb, you will love this. Winter Chapter 85 is Disenchanted by My Chemical Romance. Nice. Let's do some chapter discussion. Last week we left off Wolf and Scarlet reunited, finally. Winter and Jason were on their way with reinforcements. Cress, as far as we know, is still in the control room. Thorn is captured. Kai and Iko are helping the Earthens escape. And Cinder is on her way to find Queen Lavana. Stopped in a really big spot. So today (laughs) we are going to talk about Winter's perspective. In this chapter, Winter and Jason arrive. They bring with them reinforcements. The chaos and fighting ensues. Scarlet shows up, but so does Amory. The showdown we were waiting for. Oh, I know, right? I love right when they walk in, Winter is like, I'm a conqueror, I'm confident. Uh, and I love that because I feel like her confidence has slowly been like building up this whole book. We don't get a lot of her before this mm-hmm. book, so I'm going to say just this book. Mm-hmm. But maybe her whole life, too, has just been culminating. But I love that she, like, walks in feeling like a conqueror and she's sort of taking it in her own and participating in the world around her in a way that I feel like she didn't get to do when she was at the palace. Mm -hmm. Agreed. I definitely, like you said, we only get her in this book, but I feel like she is very, Mm -hmm. before, very a passive character. Like, she wasn't one who, unlike, you know, Cinder, or, uh, I mean, Scarlet, let's be honest, she's the most, like, go-getter out of the bunch, but Mm -hmm. for sure, and it is nice to see her throughout this book kind of slowly get that confidence. Yeah. So we are in this really intricate scene in the courtyard, which I feel like is very, I don't know, I felt very, like, entranced. I really felt like I was in the moment. They're in the courtyard. She compares the courtyard to a graveyard and that everybody is, like, stumbling over the dead bodies of their friends trying to uh, continue with the battle. And it just felt very real and very violent. Mm -hmm. Yeah, of course. She does an amazing job painting the picture of a very visceral-sounding fight. And Graveyard is a good way of pointing it out with 
dead yeah. bodies all over Because it is a place. graveyard. It yeah. was a courtyard. Yeah, it was a courtyard. Now it's a graveyard. And mm-hmm. I, I just really like that I, I, image of them, like, stumbling over their fallen brethren, like, still ready to fight, but people are in their way, but they just keep pushing and pushing and pushing. Right. I'll... It reminded me of, like, war movies. I'm not a huge fan of watching those, yeah. but Michael likes them. But, like, the ones that I have seen, this is what that reminded me of. Like, you don't know what's going on. You're stumbling over the dead bodies or the bodies on the ground, and you're still trying, you know, to fight or do what you're supposed to be doing. And that's what this reminded me of. And you're kind of. of just ignoring what you're stumbling over, yes. right? Like, you don't want to look down and know who you hit or what you hit. You need to stay focused mm-hmm. and have that... That sort of tunnel vision, because if you stop to absorb what's going on around you, you're not going to be able to keep going. Yep. Yep. I assume. I've never been in war. As both making, of us have, I'm clearly. i big assumptions. <laughs> have been All in war. war experience. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so this part is also interesting because she feels like we've seen her uh, make this comparison several times where the palace walls are bleeding. It's not a hallucination now, which kind of brings into question. This is not a question I had, but someone brought it up, and now I'm like, hmm, were all of her hallucinations visions? I I thought that too, honestly. I really thought that. Okay, okay. Mm Mm-hmm. Okay. I was thinking. So, um, let me, let me get the pronunciation of this name right. Um, Tuliana. Okay. Please tell me if I said it wrong. <laughs> Tuliana on Instagram messaged that to me, that she feels like this was an example of her hallucination not being a hallucination, but actually a foreshadowing vision. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, tell what do you think of this, Miss Barbara? I honestly thought that as well. I was wondering if, I mean, obviously I don't know, but I thought maybe, not all of her visions, but maybe some of her visions were foreshadowing or even maybe... Uh, what is it called? Um, when you get Predicting. predictions and stuff, or like that kind of thing, because it's all mind, you know, like it's a mind thing. Yeah. So maybe yeah. it's literally her seeing the future of what she would actually be seeing later on, and that's yeah. exactly like what I thought. Yeah. She's not having of. hallucinations; she's having visions. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I kind of like that idea. I never thought of it that way. I think because we're not given a lot of context of, like, fortune telling in this series. Yeah. So my mind didn't immediately, like, gravitate toward that because it just didn't feel like it was a part of this world. But now that the idea has been planted, mm-hmm. I very much enjoyed the, the theory of it. And I would love to hear other people's thoughts. So email me, com. message me on Instagram, <laughs> comment on the post for this episode. However you want to participate in that conversation, let me know. One of the bodies that stumbled over we have to talk about because it's Alpha Strong. I, like, completely forgot that he died, and I was, like, visibly upset (laughs) Again, I was rereading this and taking notes. Like, Quentin walked by while I was taking notes, and he's like, are you okay? And I was like, I just need a minute. (laughs) Like, I completely forgot, and it really, 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 like, oh, it felt very, like, gut-wrenching because... Uh, we've sort of become very attached mm-hmm. to him, I think, as readers. We get attached to him. He was sort of, not that you could replace, but he did fill a hole that was left when Wolf was taken out of the context mm-hmm. of the story. Mm-hmm. And so I think pa- maybe that's part of why I got so attached to him, is he was like Wolf Jr., maybe. I was going to say, yeah. <laughs> Point five because he's not better than Wolf. 
<laughs> right? <laughs> but I because we're gonna agree. see Wolf two <laughs> Right. I I definitely right. agree because I it's funny because I'm pretty sure the last episode I did was the episode that we met him. Mm-hmm. So I was like, oh, I forgot how much I liked him, and I f- that was not intentional. No, I don't, right? and I forgot <laughs> that he he dies. I completely forgot until I was reading this, and I was like, oh, yeah. that's right. I hated this part because I kind of got attached <laughs> to him too, you know, like yeah. Oh, so yeah, I was like, I know there's gonna be deaths yeah. and stuff, but I was really hoping maybe it would be a character I didn't really care for, and unfortunately, she did that to us. Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, you have to have some death, but it's always disappointing when it's... The one you like. Not, you know? Yeah, yeah. So we should talk about Winter in this scene. Winter feels very guilty for him dying. I have two things I want to say about that before we discuss. One, I understand that she feels guilty because she recruited him and he died during a battle that he was only at because she put him there. Mm -hmm. However... Bro was probably gonna die when he got sent to Earth on that mission anyways, so I'm not entirely sure that all of the blame should be on Winter. What do you think? No, I mean, definitely not, but the thing of it is, I feel like she doesn't think that way. You know, for her, she sees it as, it's me, I'm the one who told them, because she's such a, she's a cinnamon roll. Like, she really is, you know? Like, she's a little marshmallow cinnamon roll. And she's gonna blame herself regardless of her thinking, if I didn't recruit him here, he would probably have not made it in whatever war that LeVon was gonna make him fight in. So, you know, but I definitely don't think, I mean, he's a grown man. He made his decision. He knew the consequences of it. Unfortunately, that is part of it. And I think it just shows her character of how much she actually cares for people because she's feeling this distraught about it. Yeah. I also think that it it addresses the question of, like, what Wolf had said in Crest, I want to say. Mm-hmm. No, it was in this book. It was earlier in this book when Wolf had mentioned that Cinder was giving them something worth dying for. Mm -hmm. as opposed to Lavana using them as like cannon fodder and I feel like Alpha Strom is a good comparison for that because Winter bringing him into this situation yes he died but he died fighting for something whereas if he had died on earth which is what most likely would have happened when he was sent there on Lavana's orders if he had died on earth it wouldn't have been uh you know in the name of something good in the name of something that was changing things for the better it would have just been death and destruction and chaos so i do think that there's something to be said for like having an honorable death versus a death that sort of not that it's meaningless but that the meaning has been tainted by the person who put you in that situation so i feel like that's the difference between winter and lavana oh 100 and plus it's something that he believed in true like as well versus Lavana, he's just fighting because he has to. Whereas this, like, he truly believed right. in the cause and he wanted to see it and help Winter. So we have this sort of perfect line. It's a line that I think is good for the books, but what makes it really perfect is Winter is the one who says it. I don't know that even a sane person could recover from this. They don't, girl. PTSD is a real concern. Yes. Shell shock was a really big problem. Like, some people don't recover mm-hmm. from war, death, violence, all of the above. So I like that, again, 
we have winter as a character sort of allowing readers to experience and discuss mental health. Agreed. I think it's really important in the way that she did this is with an I think a nuance and, and it's not like mm-hmm. I don't know but yes I, I I definitely agree with with you on that one it's interesting to see in this point of view as well yeah so the chapter takes a really big turn here it goes from like winter sort of absorbing the the scene and telling the readers what kind of fighting is going on and that Alpha Strom is dead Okay, first we'll talk about the force, the the maid, and then we'll go into the mm-hmm. um, Amory thing. Cause I don't want to go back and forth. So, Winter sees a maid stealing buttons from a dead body. I really want to talk about this because I want to know the significance of why this like three sentences need to be included. That the, that there was a maid and she was stealing buttons. Not just that there was like a maid like running away and trying to get away from the carnage she was specifically that she was like pilfering the bodies mm-hmm. i don't know i i don't know why what the significant at first i thought like is it a clap back to cinderella you know like disney cinderella with her making an alphabet i was like what does that have anything to do with this scene though so i i'm really i'm yeah. curious to know what other people think because I don't have anything. Like, I thought about it, and I really don't have anything good. Like, I really don't. All my ideas were like, no, that's awful. So, I would be very curious Well, my thing is, and I would love, I would love for readers to email me, princekaifanpot at gmail.com. If you're on Patreon, just open it in the Discord discussion. But yeah, I would love to know people's opinions on this. And here's why I want to know. The maid could have been... The, the purpose of the maid is, one, Winter does this, uh, mm-hmm. has this, like, imposter syndrome moment with the maid and where she could have been a maid because she's the daughter of a seamstress. Two, the maid is used as a weapon by a thaumaturge. So the maid being there is beneficial mm-hmm. and does serve a purpose. But that I would scene. like to know the purpose of, yes, because she could have just been walking through. Mm-hmm. She could have been, you know, running away trying to escape the carnage. She specifically describes the maid as pilfering the dead bodies for valuables. Mm-hmm. And I would like to know the theory as to why this this little thing. I want to know the significance of why that part was included. If you get an answer in Gmail, you need to tell me. <laughs> you need to, like... Well, I'll discuss it on an... Yeah, it'll get discussed on an episode if okay, someone perfect, emails me. Okay, perfect, perfect. Um, the only theory that I have, and I... I preface this that it's like vague and flimsy Mm. the only theory that i have is that marissa is trying to convey two things to show that the maids are just as neglected that they also need something Mm -hmm. but two perhaps she's running away and she's stealing because she needs valuables because she doesn't know what's outside of our needs yet Mm. but she knows like she's using this as an opportunity to get out of dodge Mm -hmm. That's my only theory. It's very vague and flimsy. I don't think it works, but it's all I could think mm-hmm. of. Um, so, yeah, listeners, whatever you got, bring them to me. The crazier, the better, as far as I'm concerned, because right. I got nothing. I, like I said, it's better than me, because I was like, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I just thought imposter syndrome is, like, legit really, really hard to deal with when you're, mm-hmm. like, when Winter was describing that, when she was like, oh, I, I, I'm not a princess, I should have, that should have been me, that should have been me pilfering this stuff, 
not as the person that's not here. And I mean, I feel like everyone experiences that. Like everyone thinks like, oh, I'm not good enough to be here or I don't think I deserve to be here in a lot of scenarios. So definitely that's what I got from that. And I was like, girl, I feel you. Like <laughs> we all go through yeah, that. Yeah, absolutely. I feel that way sometimes because I'll, I'll do or say something about the podcast and someone will be like, oh my God, I love your podcast. And I'm like, oh my God, you've heard of me. And then Quentin <laughs> is like, you have like almost a hundred thousand downloads. Like, where do you think that came from that nobody's heard of you? And I'm like, I don't know. It's just, it still feels like, you know, cool. Right. Like <laughs> it still feels like I'm still talking to like five listeners, not like thousands and hundreds right. of thousands of listeners. Yeah. Cause like. I'll message people on Instagram to be like, hey, can I share your art? And I'll, like, take the time and be like, hi, I'm Bethany. I have a podcast about the Lunar Chronicles. I feature different artists on every episode. I'd really love to share your work with permission. And, like, nine times out of ten, they're like, oh, my God, I love your podcast. Yes, you can absolutely share my work. (laughs) Every once in a while, I get someone who's like, I've never heard of this podcast, but sure, you can share my work. Where can I check out your podcast? Mm -hmm. But I always feel like this teeny, tiny 75 degrees away from celebrity status <laughs> right. when people are like, oh, I love your podcast. I'm like, oh my God, I'm right. I'm like oh, blushing. Oh. <laughs> Is this what being famous feels like? <laughs> In my very tiny niche, yes. So let's talk about what happens next because it's, it's big. Oh yeah. It's really big. It's, it's like hug sh- yourself, take a shot of whiskey, like, do what you got to do to prepare yourself for this moment, listeners. Here we go. Amory is here. He's completely unhinged. He has so much, like, authority and power now that he's number two. Mm. Um, and he's always been cocky. He's always been, like, self-satisfied. And now that's sort of been amped up. And the one thing that he's always wanted that he hasn't gotten is winter. Mm. And now here she is standing in front of him alive and still choosing Jason. So this is kind of where everything hits the fan. So really quickly I'll describe it and then we can talk about every tiny little detail. Basically, Amory shows up, Scarlet shows up. Before Amory can take control of anybody, Winter uses her gift for the first time in like six years. Mm-hmm. And takes control of Scarlet's body and uses that body to kill Amory by stabbing him multiple times in the chest. A la Chicago. Yeah. <laughs> he had it coming. Mm-hmm. That's, um, that's what I picked. I'm definitely going to put, I should, I'm going to input a soundbite right here. Yes, please do. And then he ran into my knife. He ran into my knife ten times. Because um, <laughs> that's what I pictured. Like, so, he fell into my knife nine times. <laughs> oh, my God. Yes. Okay. Definitely future Bethany is going to put that in here. Um, uh, first of all, Amory. Uh, Amory's such a good villain. He is. He's so creepy. He is. He's so sardonic. He's like, ugh. He's the guy, when you see him at the supermarket, you, like, go to the other side yes. of the store, even though you already got it. Exactly. He <laughs> gives you the creepy vibes. That is him to a T. Like, she wrote him in, like, Absolutely. every every woman, every girl 
anyone who's been yeah. through this stuff knows this the vibes that he's vibing. Like this is that guy yeah. that you stare at him and like you said, like I don't want to be caught anywhere alone with this person. Yeah, he is a narcissist to a T. Yeah, mm-hmm. you wouldn't get on an elevator with him if you were by yourself. Nope, you'd you would like, exit. You know yeah, you'd be like, you know what? Yeah. This is my floor. The one that you got out of. I know I pressed <laughs> three, but five sounds great. But actually, it's this yeah. One. <laughs> like I'm just gonna, you know, I'm just gonna not go into the elevator with you, man. Yep. Like that's that's the vibe yeah, that he exactly. gives. Yeah, yeah. And one of the things that um, I just realized I wrote it in my notes and I forgot is when he shows up and he's like, I'm the power, <laughs> I'm the hypothesis, I'm the best. He starts, like, basically amping himself up, and it reminded me of Twilight when Edward is, like, saying all of these things about being a vampire, and he's like, as if you could outrun me. (laughs) So it reminded me of that speech that Edward gives, which I'll also insert here. I'm the world's most dangerous predator. Everything about me invites you in. My voice, my face, even my smell. As if I wouldn't need any of that. As if you could outrun me! As if you could fight me off. I'm designed to kill. I'm a killer. And then he's, he's a killer. I'm he a killer, Bella. He's like, top speed. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Thank you so for putting that in I... my mental head image now. <laughs> Two people that are most valuable mm-hmm. to her in the galaxy mm-hmm. is 
Scarlet and Jason. Mm-hmm. Cinder's in there too, but she got very attached to Scarlet. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and Cinder can take care of herself in a way that Scarlet can't because of the lunar gift. Right. So I think that part of her is unaware of everything mm-hmm. because she's sort of in this panicked frenzy of, of you know, like the mom lifting the car. Right. Even though she can't right. physically lift a car, mm-hmm. you know. So I, I do think that there's a sort of sense of shock where she's she's not fully aware of what she's doing, but there is a sense of it there. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? No, no, it does, because that's what I was thinking, too. I feel like it's it's in the middle of, like, she probably reached out to her and didn't realize she did that, and then once she did, she's like, okay, I'm going to go for it then because I need to protect them. I don't even think that she was, like, going for it in the sense of, like, okay, I need to do this to protect them. I genuinely think she was, she, this is, I think it was, like, a um, a chain reaction. Mm-hmm. Scarlet's in danger. How do I protect Scarlet? Okay, I protect her. Cause, and then her brain is, you know, kind of how you tell your hand to move and your hand moves. Right. I think that's what happened. I think Winter was like, I need to protect Scarlet. Bam, the gift took over. I need to eliminate Amory. Okay. <laughs> so I kind of think it was somewhere along in the in the middle there. Mm-hmm. I think it's hard to explain what I'm thinking. <laughs> I don't. No, no, I, I don't I know. But I, I feel it. like I feel like it's a weird sense of muscle memory yes. that she knew she wanted to protect. All she thought was, I want to protect Scarlet, and then her mind and the gift sort of took it from there. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's my thought. Yeah. No, I, I think I agree with that. Definitely. Cause that's how it read to me is what she wasn't fully aware, but like it was that innate ability of, like I said, how much she cares for people. So there it is. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Again, if you have theories, pinskyfampod at gmail.com. Join the Patreon and go talk about it on Discord for, like, four days, because that's also a thing we do. So that's that's kind of where the chapter ends. But I, I did want to take a moment to just kind of let everyone – I just want this to sink in, mm. that Winter has not used her gift in six years. This is what happens in this chapter. Alpha Strong dies. And for the first time in six years, Winter uses her gift to protect Scarlet and Jason by stabbing Amory to death. But she's using Scarlet's body. Right. So that's another question. Did Scarlet commit the murder? I want to say, I feel bad saying this, but in the sense of no. no. Because... Yeah, like a puppet, right? Yes, that's that's it. Like, she is literally being puppeteered by Winter, and I, I feel bad saying that, because I'm not trying to pit, like, obviously this is a protection, like, this is self-defense. Yeah. You know, like, if we're gonna Absolutely. go into, like, 100%. earthen laws, you know, I know this isn't, you yeah, know, like, yeah. Lunar. <laughs> yeah, no, I completely, I completely agree, but also I think, like, if you don't have control over your autonomy... You can't be mm-hmm. held responsible for what your economy does. No, so, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's yeah, definitely it's not, I mean, and uh, we're going to get into it in the next chapter, because she literally even says, like, um, Scarlet killed Amory. Uh, actually, I killed him. It was me that killed him. And I was just like, yeah, <laughs> yeah, you yeah. did. Because visually, visually and physically, you see that Scarlet is the one. Right. Um. 
going through that going through that physical mm-hmm. action. But Scarlet not being in control of her own autonomy kind of removes that that blame from her oh, and shifts it onto the person who was controlling, controlling her. it. And yeah. I agree that I it's definitely self defense. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do think that you know they always say crimes of passion are the ones that are excessive. More than one stab, definitely excessive. I I did forget I wanted to talk about one thing, mm. which we talked about um, back in the chapter with um, when the thaumaturgs showed up at Maha's and they couldn't find someone. There is a gap in the gift that lunars have relied on it so much that they forget they have other abilities. Like legs. And... <laughs> To run. <laughs> one of the reasons, exactly. One of the reasons that they were able to overpower this all-powerful Amory is because he was trying so hard to use his gift to control the situation that he forgot to use his physical body to fight back or run away. Mm-hmm. And and we did talk about that, like you know, like a year ago when we were on those other chapters. Mm-hmm. But I do like that. Um, well, I don't like it, but it's. I think it's an interesting gap. Mm-hmm. That they have relied on their gifts so much that basic common sense is sort of lost to them. Yeah. It's funny because I feel like a lot of bad guys struggle with this in different books Mm -hmm. that you notice. Like, for me, it always comes down to, obviously I'm going to talk about Harry Potter, but, like, Voldemort. Like, he was so dependent on using magic that he could have yeeted baby Harry anywhere. Instead of trying to Avada Kedavra him and having it, like, F up everything, he could have just yeeted him. He's a baby. Yeah. Like, when you're a baby, you can just be yeeted and there, there you go. You're dead. You know? Like, just leave it for Exactly. Or not even do a thing. Yeah. Kill the parents that you already did and just leave him there just by himself. Yeah. And he's going to die. But no. No. We have to. <laughs> gotta use magic. Have you... When you're bored next time, go on Pinterest and type in Kevin and Voldemort. Um, it's this really funny comic strip okay. of Voldemort and his assistant Kevin. I think I've seen. I think and I've seen some. Yeah, Voldemort's like Voldemort's like I'm gonna make it this uh, ring that's easily connected back to my family. Yes. Why don't you make the Horcrux a grain of rice yes, and toss yes, it in the it's ocean? ocean. Like, <laughs> yeah, yes. You're overconfident. To bring it back to Harry Potter a second yeah. time, in the last book, they get into Umbridge's office because she sealed it with magic, but she didn't mm-hmm. think about someone just walking in, so he just, like, walked in. Because she was thinking, like, well, I better, like, lock the door with magic. I better seal the space so that nobody can magic their way in. So he just, like, used his human body to get into the door. So, yeah, I think that there's a huge gap. So let's talk about our chapter song titles. You go first. Mine was, uh, yes, uh, You Don't Own Me by Leslie Gore. And I actually didn't know her version of it. I only know it because of, I think it's the Suicide Squad movie. or It's one of the Suicide Squad movies because, you know, there's two and they're, like, the same ones, like, The Suicide Squad, the other is Suicide Squad. So it's one It's one <laughs> right. of those. And it's some, um, someone else that actually sings it. But then I wanted to pick, like, the original one of this one. But it made me think of this of because of the whole Amory saying, like, oh, like, I'm going to make you mine and all this other crap. And I was like, bro, you don't own anyone. You don't own Winter. So it just kind of made me feel like, this is winter 
I mean, yeah, she murders him, but, like, this is, like, her theme song of saying, like, you don't own me, you know? So if you haven't heard this, you should look at the lyrics, because I feel like the lyrics literally fit in her stabby moments here. Yeah, especially with the line of, I'm not just one of your many boys. Yes, exactly. See, I'm familiar with this song because of a film called The First Wife's Club. Which <gasps> oh has my god, heart. I completely forgot about that. That is in that. What? How could you forget I that? That is forgot. one of the best scenes in cinematography You're ever. So, oh my gosh, <laughs> I need to go to that a corner. Movie is like, Oh, you're so right. That movie is like ultimate friendship goals. Yes. And that is one of my favorite scenes. It's them. I come. Oh my god! Now I, f- I feel. Ugh! <laughs> I feel like I need to go to the corner and think of what I just did. You know, Taylor. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Taylor told you. Taylor no, told me. Fine. I am so embarrassed. You're. Oh my god! You're right. That is such a good. Ah. Uh, that Don't is such a good scene. Yes, yes, but everybody should go on YouTube, type in "You Don't Own Me" first wives club, mm-hmm. and then just come on back and mm-hmm. listen. Um. <laughs> So I chose Teeth by Five Seconds of Summer, which is my sister Samantha's favorite band. I love them, and this song is amazing. I love them, and like Amnesia is like has my whole broken seventeen-year-old yes. heart. Yes. But this is a great song for this chapter. Um, Some days you're the only thing I know, and she talks about Jason being the only thing that's real. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we get to Amory, who we've been told multiple times is extremely physically attractive right so bite so dirty but you love so sweet talk so pretty but your heart got teeth late night devil put your hands on me and never let go um definitely feel like amory is one of those like charismatic creepy Mm -hmm. dudes like Mm -hmm. he's attractive he could be attractive Mm -hmm. but there's something about him that's just slightly off yes like just makes untrustworthy predatorial exactly yeah um and so yeah i kind of felt this way especially with the line of fight so dirty but your love so sweet talk so pretty but your heart got teeth yeah um and then i really liked the line some days you're the only thing i know because i do feel like winter has a very valid point when she says that jason is the only thing in her life that's real Mm -hmm. because jason is like the one constant in her life like scarlet is a big influence in her life now but jason has been there since she was born Mm -hmm. to now as a constant um a constant uh figure in her life a constant grounding force um so yeah so patreon members will get to vote on the chapter title barb let's talk about our quotes it's funny you mentioned that one because that was literally my <laughs> quote. My quote, whereas he, she says like he's the only thing that is real. Page seven twenty eight. If mm-hmm. you're following that particular book, I don't know if it's the same on Kindle or ebooks, but yes, it's the same in my hardcover. Yes, I, I feel like yeah, hardcover books are the same. I'm not really sure if it correlates with ebooks, but yeah, I have no idea. Yeah, I do because that depends on the font you use. Exactly. This is so very, very much true. So, I don't know, but yeah. that's, that's where you can find it, and I that was such a great segue, Bethany. <laughs> Thank you. That was not planned. Uh, I should have looked ahead and so I could take credit for that. <laughs> At least you're honest about it. <laughs> I am, yeah. So my quote was, I do not know that a sane person could recover from this. This, this context aside, this quote could be 
every trauma anyone has ever experienced. Mm-hmm. Um, but I love it in the context of this, because like we talked about earlier, I feel like there's a very strong parallel to um, PTSD and depression and trauma victims, shell shock from World War II. I feel like there's a very strong connection between mental health and um, winter throughout this mm-hmm. series. Like she's sort of a beacon of mm-hmm. that, an example of that throughout this series. And I feel like this is a really good insight into how, you know, mental health makes people a little bit more vulnerable maybe. But there are some situations that could impact anyone, no matter how sane their mental health is. Yeah. And Winter is saying, like, obviously this is going to traumatize me because I'm a little more sensitive to it, but who in their right mind could get over this anyway? Right. I mean, I wanted, yeah. I didn't want to use the same quote because I feel like that's a little bit boring, but I feel like out of all the quotes, that one's the most powerful one, I think, for this chapter yeah. in particular. Because, like you said, it really does harken to the fact that like you said, she's sensitive to it, but she can realize that n- who could actually compartmentalize this? Like, it's not a lot of people that yeah. can. This is going to affect a lot of people. Yeah, I agree. Okay, <laughs> give myself chills, but let's move on. Hi, I'm Chloe. And I'm Sky, And we are some of the cast of the Lunar Chronicles audio drama. Our audio drama takes Marissa Meyer's best-selling series and brings it to life with immersive soundscapes and incredible voice actors. During the periods our seasons air, new episodes are up every Saturday on our YouTube channel. Be sure to stay up to date on our Instagram and TikTok to be notified if a season is currently active. Uh, we'll also share fun extras there like get to know yous with the cast, games, and much more. We hope to see you there. Now, back to the show. Chapter 87 is exquisitely short. The, uh, the aftermath. The aftermath. And I apologize, I was wrong. She didn't stab him seven times. It was nine. Yes. Yeah. Who? Nine so times. in this chapter, that's an aggressive amount. Like that's a lost control of what was going right. When on you said out. passion, oh. I was like, you know what? That is such a good way of describing it. It's one of those like you just lose control. Right there. Absolutely, absolutely. So this is actually an extremely fast chapter. Almost nothing happens, and yet this is where we get a breaking point from Winter. Amory is dead, and Winter, well, let's talk, let's talk about the opening description, because you pointed out in your notes how great that mm-hmm. was. And Reality disintegrated. The world was a thousand cumbersome pixels tearing apart, leaving black spaces in between, then smashing back together in blinding sparks. I just like when things like this is described in books, because it's not very often where you're getting, because how do you describe a mental breakdown or the ripping of the mind is this is kind of how I seen it. Like, how do you describe that? It's one of those things where you just, it, it's hard to, and I think she did such a good job because if you've ever either had like panic attacks or you've had really bad anxiety attacks or you have bad PTSD, like I feel like she did a very good job of what it feels like to experience that in a context where it's hard to describe to someone else that's why I thought this was she did a very good job of it and it's just one of those things where it just kind of stuck with me and I really feel like it embodied kind of stuff that I've heard other people say or stuff that I feel like as well it's just one of those things where it just feels like your reality is falling apart in front of your eyes 
and not even just your reality, but like the concept of any reality at all has sort of been lost in this moment of, um, just like you said, the ripping of the mind. I, I think that's beautifully said, mm-hmm. um, because it does kind of feel like you're fracturing what small piece of the world around you you have. And as someone who does have panic attacks, uh, I, I do feel like trauma and panic are very difficult to describe. I mean, uh, imagine having, imagine being aware that you're in a nightmare. That's mm-hmm. what having a panic attack is. Mm-hmm. And I feel like it can be extremely difficult to describe the emotion that comes with that. You can say like, well, my nose goes numb and I have trouble breathing and I feel my pulse rise. But like the emotional and mental capacity of that is very different than like describing the symptoms. Yes, exactly. Yeah. The physical symptoms you can describe. It's the mental state that you are in that is very hard. And the imagery here. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the imagery here does a good job of helping us to understand not the physical side of it in terms of the side effects or the symptoms, but the toll that it takes on your mental health and stability. And I think it's important that we see it from Winter's perspective because we have seen panic attacks a lot from from Cress's perspective, and I think that that's also been a very good representation but I think it's important to have this kind of mental break from Winter's perspective mm-hmm. because Winter's mind has been fragile for years mm-hmm. because of this refusal to use her gift. And um, we sort of see that, that vulnerability challenged as much as possible and, and really reach that breaking point almost in the exact same moment. Mm-hmm. It's a really roundabout way of saying Right. But, yeah, that's – I just really like yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah. So that's pretty much this whole scene. Winter has her mental break where she she, she can no longer connect with the reality and the people in the world around her once she realizes what she's done. Mm-hmm. Um, Jason had to physically remove Scarlet from Amory because of the stabbing. Um, and he basically is like, I'll take care of winter. You go help Cinder. Um, and that's, that's where it goes. But Jason is again, like that grounding force for her. He removes Scarlet from the equation. He tells Scarlet, like, get out of here. I got this. Um, mm-hmm. and then he physically like restrains winter, almost like a thunder shirt for, that, for yeah. winter. Um, <laughs> it's funny you said that. I was thinking like, that too. <laughs> Yeah, because she's, like, biting and scratching and kicking, and he's like, like, I have to. And I like, yes, and I like the part where it says that part of her knows that it's Jason Mm -hmm. trying to calm her down, but she feels suffocated by the crime that she's committed. I thought that was a really poetic way of explaining how you can have these sort of -of out-of-body experiences where you're, like, slightly aware Mm -hmm. of who and what is going Mm -hmm. on around you, but not enough that you can actually participate Mm -hmm. in the scenario itself. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And then to prove that we've completely lost touch with reality, the chapter ends with her return to um, the song, the Wolves All Howl song. <laughs> Which is, and, again, the chapter um, that I previously did with you. Was yeah. this? That's why I was just like, girl, did <laughs> she plan so, like, this? Cause this is I like... did not. It's just, like, very serendipitous. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Um, but, yeah, it's also very eerie if you 
do listen to the audiobook. I've said it before, I'll say it again, Rebecca Solaire is incredibly talented and it's very eerie and ominous mm. when we go through this chapter and we get to the end and she sings that line mm -hmm. and then it goes quiet before she gets to the next chapter and it's sort of this lull that like if you're listening it kind of gives you chills. Mm -hmm. Like I don't know how about reading mm -hmm. it but like uh, when you're listening to it I know that it can kind of um, add more of a visual appeal to it because of that moment and how powerful mm -hmm. it is. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so let's talk about our song choices for this one. I did Paint It Black by the Rolling Stones. I think the, once again, like, it's funny you say you're a lyrics person, because I am too, and that's normally what I, yeah. I go with. And I feel like this song kind of embodies the mental breakdown that she is going through in this chapter. If you listen to the lyrics, I think it, it just, it's, it's funny because like sometimes I have a hard time picking um, music to go with these, but these two, like I had it. And this one's like the first thing when I was reading it, I was like, this is kind of like what, what it feels like, you know, this feeling of that she described in a book. And that's, that's why I picked this one. <laughs> I really love that. I usually, when it comes to it, is like while I'm reading, I'll think of the song and I jot it down, mm -hmm. which is what happened in this chapter when it got to the part where it said, where it said that Jason was like holding her and trying to console mm -hmm. her. Um, it made me think of Her Diamonds by Rob Thomas, which is a song about his wife like fighting cancer and him feeling useless and helpless that he can't actually do anything mm -hmm. about it. Um, but a lot of the lyrics, I think, paint a picture that go with any kind of struggle where you are trying to help your loved one or even just trying to help yourself and you don't have the power mm -hmm. to do so mm -hmm. and the toll that that can take on a person. So what the hell, she says, I just can't win for losing. I feel like um, I feel like Winter in this mental state has tried to do her best. And in theory, what she did was for the better. She saved her friends. She probably saved a lot of lives by eliminating yep. Amory, but it's the how that is, is taking a toll on her, really. It's funny how the night can make you blind. I can just imagine. And I don't know what I'm supposed to do. But if she feels bad, then I do too. Again, I think Jason kind of puts a lot of winter's strain on himself. And that might be a, a relationship talk for another day. Mm -hmm. But I do think that, like, in that relationship, he burdens a lot of her gift with her to try and help her with it. Like, that's his love language to her. And I feel like when you're doing that, all you can do is, like, well, how do I help you? And it's like, well, you can't do anything to help. And it's like, well, if she feels bad, I feel it too. So I got to I gotta be here. Right. Um, and then the chorus is, I can't take no more. Her tears like diamonds on the floor, and her diamonds bring me down. Because I can't help her now. She's down in it. She's tried her best, and now she can't win. It's hard to see them on the ground when her diamond's falling down. I just, I love the metaphor that, like, no matter how valuable you are, like a princess, when you hit that breaking point, there's nothing that anybody can do to save you. But it can take a toll on more than just you mm -hmm. when it happens. Mm -hmm. so, so this is kind of like J uh, Jason's perspective. Mm -hmm. But, um, yeah, that was just, I really like that song for this particular chapter. No, I, I, so I'm not familiar with this one, so then obviously, as one does, I, you know, 
actually went to listen to it. Had to look it up. Yeah, and I was like, this is totally, like, Jason's point of view of how you said, like, you feel helpless, but, you know, it's it's one of those things that's, it's not a physical wound that she's going through. This is all mental, and, like, how do you help someone with that? Like, all you can do is what he did, or, like, this song is saying, you know, so... Yes. This isn't a great metaphor, but it's one my dad used to tell me when I would have some of my panic attacks is like, when pain is visible, it's easy to see when it's, when you're injured or when Mm -hmm. you're healing. But when it's on the inside, nobody knows what you're going through Mm -hmm. until you reach that breaking point, Mm -hmm. which is something I've struggled with over the years. And so he compared it to uh, the home I lived in growing up Mm -hmm. when there was something wrong with the pipes in our home and we were going to get a pool but instead we had to get the pipes fixed because in the midwest for those of you who don't live in the midwest in the midwest if your pipes don't work they're going to freeze and they're going to burst and your whole house is going to get flooded so yeah very important that there's no leaks in the dead of winter cannot stress Mm -hmm. that enough um but we were all disappointed because we really wanted and by the way when i say pool i mean like the inflatable one at walmart it wasn't like a real pool but like to us it was it's funny we call it we call those ghetto pools like the little um thank you thank you for that well that's what so like i had ghetto pools growing up too because it's like yeah because it's exactly in the midwest it's not like you know here and like or in Florida, where, like, freaking everyone has a pool. It's not just the rich right. people, Right, no, it's you very know? rare that people will have an actual Exactly, pool so on the Midwest, like, have an inflatable exactly, or, the inflatable one. Yeah. So we're, like, or you're really lucky and you have one of those paneled ones from Walmart that are, like, in an octagon shape. Yes. Which are, like, $500. Exactly, those were still really nice, so we call them our ghetto pools, because we had yeah. that all growing up as our little yeah. ghetto pool, because it's, like, we can't afford those real nice ones, so we always called it our ghetto pools. Yeah. <laughs> so the... The pool metaphor is because instead of getting the pool, my dad had to put in all these pipes, which ended up costing like three times what a pool would have cost. Mm -hmm. So he ended up spending more money on something that was far more valuable and was going to last a lot longer than this pool. But as kids, you don't see those pipes. They're on the inside. They're hidden behind panels and floorboards and walls. And you never see them, so you don't know how valuable they are. You don't know what their content is. You don't know what their purpose is. And you don't know how important Mm -hmm. the role they play is. And so that's my metaphor for a comparison to, like, when when the wound is on the inside, it's a lot harder to see if it's bleeding. Right. Yep. Yeah. (laughs) I don't know if that was a good metaphor, but that's what came into my mind when we were talking about outside versus inside. No, no, definitely. With my ghetto pool and my water pipes. (laughs) No, I mean, that's definitely true. Like, as a kid, you don't realize how important certain things are like that. Like, like you said, it's much easier to see a stab wound versus what she's going through. Because physically, she looks fine. But obviously, she is not. Yeah, absolutely. So let's talk about our so- our song choices. <laughs> let's talk about our chapter quotes for this one. So mine was the the one that you read the the beginning chapter there, or the beginning part of the chapter was the world was a thousand cumbersome pixels tearing apart, leaving black spaces in between, and smashing back together in blinding sparks. So I uh, obviously I have hearkened on this and I pretty much beat this one dead. But I really enjoy that one. 
Yeah, and I mean that was kind of where my mind came into play too. She was already suffocating beneath the weight of her crime. <sighs> Panic attacks can feel like you're suffocating depending on the person, but I I will say. For those of you who aren't on my Patreon and don't know this, I've actually been having, um, I actually had to go to the hospital for chest pains not too long ago. They were so severe that I actually, we were genuinely concerned for heart issues, and it turns out I was having a panic attack. Mm -hmm. I have had panic attacks my whole life and never once had chest pains. So this is just like a new level of a panic attack, I guess, that I wasn't expecting. But I, I just want to point out that, like, they can manifest in very different ways. And I like the fact, not just that she's suffocating, but why? Uh -huh. Why does she feel like she's suffocating? It's because of how monstrous this this crime that she feels like is so big, it's, it takes up the whole space. It takes up more space than she can hold on to with her, with her tiny little shoulders. Uh -huh. Yeah. interesting perspective of mental health and I think it's done very well and uh, I don't even know like it's just if you've been through this kind of stuff I feel like you really do kind of feel for her in, in this moment you know because it is like this I think it's described well where you don't know what to do and you feel like your whole perspective is just like gone and like what do you do and then you have people trying to help you and that's not helping especially someone who normally would help her and I feel like probably Jason's feeling like what the hell do I do you know yeah absolutely and I also think that this is a bad <clears throat> this might not be a good comparison I don't know but everyone who knows that I lost my father recently and that it was very unexpected what you guys may not know is that I actually handled it I don't know that there's a good way to handle it, but I didn't handle it well at all to the point where my sisters got involved mm. and were like, you need to go see a counselor. Like, this is not normal behavior. Mm. Um, and I actually did get in touch with BetterHelp.com where you can um, talk to, like, grief counselors and stuff. And highly, highly recommend the person I talked to was um, Genevieve, and she was just – she really helped me to understand – and channel my grief into something productive that would be like a good coping mechanism, mm. which is how I wrote a book, or three, actually, because it's a series that I ended up writing. Um, but I think that when you're on the inside, it can be very difficult to tell what is that point where you need help. Mm -hmm. What is the point where you can no longer manage it? Because I thought I was managing it, and pers honestly, I thought I was hiding it very well. <laughs> I did not realize... <laughs> I legit was like, I was like faking it till I made it every single day. Um, and my, my, I thought for sure that I was hiding what I was going through because I didn't want to be a burden on my husband, my sisters. I'm the oldest. So I think I felt a lot of responsibility sure. to sort of um, take care of everything, yeah. which is uh, probably what made it so difficult for me because I was taking care of my sisters. I was taking care, I was helping my, my bonus mom with the arrangements, with the the, the paperwork with the funeral home, all of that. And then I was helping everybody clean up from it. And then I was helping my sisters get back home. And then next thing I know, it was time to move. So there actually wasn't a lot of time for me to handle it on a personal, individual level because I had gotten so caught up in everything yeah. else that was going on. And so when I finally stopped moving, that's when everything fell apart. And so I know that I felt 
I felt it on the inside, but I thought I was doing a good job of like hiding uh-huh. it and, and because I didn't want to worry people either. Sure. Right? Like they're going through their own stuff. They don't need to worry about my stuff. I can barely handle my stuff. Right. Like I'm not going to put that on another person. Um, so I feel like it's nice to have this kind of mental health representation, especially because these YA novels with their dystopia and their wars and their <laughs> battles and their like the things they put these teen children through right. and no one ever goes to see a therapist. Right. Another reason, another reason I like Vampire Academy because they are like, you need to see somebody. And she's like, no. And they're like, for real, we're getting you a therapist. Right. Like, this is not okay. It's very rare to see that. Mm-hmm. Yes. So rare. And so I appreciate when, and definitely everyone in this series needs therapy. I might need therapy <laughs> after reading it and doing it on the podcast for four and a half years. But, um, I definitely think that it's one of the few times we see that um, represented at all, not even just in a positive way, but just at Mm -hmm. all, because we see it with Winter, but we also see it with Kress and her constant panic attacks. Um, We saw it in the beginning with Cinder when she's, or throughout the whole series with Cinder, when she compartmentalizes first the death of Peony and then the loss of Iko and then, you know, Wolf getting captured, being separated from Thorn Mm -hmm. when he was on Earth, like, there are so many different moments. The only way Cinder can handle it is by compartmentalizing and trying to, um, you know, sort of, well, I guess I'll deal with that later because I can't do it. I can't deal with it mm-hmm. right now. I'm not emotionally, mentally capable of it. Um, Scarlet kind of copes with everything by being angry at the world, putting up this front that she's, you know, nobody can break through that exterior. Um, and so I feel like we see a lot of mental health in this series that we don't necessarily get to explore mm-hmm. in young adult literature. And I think... I think it's coming more to light now. I think people are putting more of a light on it. Yeah. But, um, you know, that's I would say that's within, like, two to three years of publishing. Like, it's very early in the stages of people exploring those um, those those uh, parameters. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I feel like most YA people need help, <laughs> like, need to seek a therapist. Because, like you said, I feel like just people in general would benefit. Like everyone I know would benefit at least from like a ten minute conversation oh, yeah. with someone. Um, I'm glad that because you would be surprised the impact that yeah, it makes. I'm glad that the stigma of a mental health and B actually getting help for it is slowly getting yeah. better. And I feel like Absolutely. it's our generation and the generation. Um, that is, you know, the younger generation, too, that is really making it a forefront of, of these issues that are coming to light, and I just, I don't know, I think it's extremely important, people are like, well, I mean, why don't you take care of your physical health, why can't we take care of our mental health, you know, whereas the generation of, like, our parents. If you break your arm, yeah, yeah. If you break an arm, you're not going to try and fix it yourself. Exactly. You're going to go to the doctor. Exactly. It's the same thing. Yeah. It's the exact same thing. Yep. But I feel like, you know, it's becoming more and more of an open discussion in the last, like, two to five years, whereas I remember being in high school and nobody Nobody was talked about, about that. it. No. Nope. Nobody talked about mental health or panic attacks right. or, or or if depression. Or if you did, you were, um, like, the weird kid, you know? Like, you're like, oh. Yeah, it's like, oh, she's emo. Mm-hmm. It's like, maybe I'm just having a day, you guys. <laughs> right. um, and you know what's interesting is I think it depends on your parents. My parents mm-hmm. were always, like, 
do you need a moment, mm-hmm. you know? Like, I remember talking to Quentin once, and when he was, like, 15 or 16, his dog died, mm-hmm. like, next to him. Mm-hmm. And he was, like, I, he was, like, distraught, and his parents were, like, well, you got to go to school. And I was, like, what? He was, like, I got to, that's your life. I was, like, no, my parents never would have made me go to Same. school. Same. Uh-uh. I mean. My parents never would have made me go to school after yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah, no, same. I mean, I could if I wanted to. Like, if I was like, you know, this will be a coping mechanism. Right. But they never would have made Yeah, me. no. No. I feel like I was very fortunate in the same way. Like, whenever we needed a mental health day, like, my mom was a very big mm-hmm. supporter of that. And she was actually the one who was like, uh, you know, I don't care how much it costs. Like, if you guys need to talk to someone, we're going to make it work. So. I feel like there's a lot of... Um, mentalities where you know if you're raised with it's the same concept with like certain generations I think ours included where it's like you have to get to work 15 minutes early and you can't say no if they ask you to work a weekend or if they ask you to stay late or overtime and you can't call in sick unless you absolutely have to and then there's the new generation that's like you guys aren't paying me for 15 minutes early I'll be there when my shift starts exactly yeah it's optional if I want to work the weekend, and I was done at 5 o'clock. Yes, exactly. It's the like, better boundaries. I, I don't feel good. I'm not coming. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. It's much better at creating boundaries mm-hmm. and establishing boundaries and enforcing. Not just establishing right, and boundaries, enforcing it. but enforcing And yet them. they're getting... Yes, and, like, sticking to them. But yet they're getting people coming at them and being like, they are lazy and they don't want to work. It's like, no, like, this this thought process of, like, having to kill yourself for work isn't a thing anymore for, you know, like, it shouldn't be that way. Like, you shouldn't have to kill yourself mentally and physically for a job that can replace you like that and would easily and very quickly do Right, I mean, it's like, why do we give two-week notices for a job that would fire us without a second chance? Exactly, Like, and they're like, oh, a two-week, you don't want to burn bridges. Actually, that's not how it works. This is me doing you you a service. and it's so funny because, right, I just left a job um, that – I just left a job, and I remember going in to put in my two-week notice because that's what you're supposed to do, and my boss was really excited for me because he knew this was, like, a temporary job for sure. me. I had much bigger ambitions than the position I was in. <laughs> yeah. So I went, and I, I told him that I got another job, and I told him about – he was all excited for mm-hmm. me, and he's like, well, when do you want your last day to be? And I was like, well, I guess two weeks from today, right? And he's like, could be right now if you want. It's your life. And I'm like, it is my life. You're right. <laughs> <laughs> like, you are correct. It is my life. And I don't know why it took some 50-year-old man telling me, like, that it's my life to, like, really drive that mm-hmm. home. But, like, I think it was just the context of, like, it's your life. Not you don't have to do this. or It's up to you. It's literally, like, it's your life. Right. You live it because it belongs to mm-hmm. you. Your, your you choice. You do it to serve a company. Right. Yes, yeah. Absolutely. Uh-huh. Yeah. That's when I was not put on this earth for that purpose. Yeah. I don't think. I don't have proof of that. <laughs> Nobody's given me proof of why I was put on the earth, but I like to think it was for something bigger than, than you know, killing it at a 9 to 5 until I pass right? out. Right. That's when you know you have a good boss. And it's sad that – I feel like it's always like that. Like, I had the same thing where it was a temp work. I was just doing it until I um, finished graduating and, and got – past my nursing boards and all this stuff and I had this temp job yeah and I went to my boss it was kind of like I kind of had to take out sick time I got a kidney stone but that's another story and I was like hey like (laughs) technically that was like you know like when is my two weeks because I kind of got sick during that 
like, so then I still had, like, right. my week, like, one week I had to take off because I was sick, and then the next week I was coming back, and he's like, why? I was like, well, because it's my two weeks, and he's like, no, he's like, it's, he's like, it's fine, like, you're sick, please don't, like, just worry about you and your health, like, he's like, we can manage, and, like, this was temp anyways, like, we knew it all along, and I was like, why can't you be my boss now, because I really miss that attitude, right? like, he understood, you know, I was struggle bossing over here trying to get back to work after a kidney stone, he's like, I know, like, go to go take care of you, like, we got I think it. it's like a, anyone who's ever worked in the food industry will, will understand it, right, because, like, when I, every job I've had that's, like, a legit position, like, when I worked for Brookshire Hathaway, this library job that mm. I just had, it was, like, you don't feel good, stay mm-hmm. home, we got this. Mm-hmm. Working at Hardee's, I could have been, like, yeah, I just lost a hand in a boating accident, and they'd be, like, well, you only need one chocolate <laughs> burger, so we'll see you in five minutes. Like, they would not, they couldn't care less about you and your problems. Right? Like, you are supposed to be there. You will be there. It's like, that I'm the bleeding. Of the well, I mean, you can slap something on there, right? Like, as long as you don't right, get blood like, on the stuff, you're fine. It's like, I'm sorry, right. what? It's like, I lost a leg today. <laughs> well, we'll just get you a chair. It's fine. We've got chairs. We'll see you soon. Yeah. Like, <laughs> take some take some aspirin and we'll call right? it a good day. You can go to the doctor after your eight-hour shift. Uh, okay. <laughs> so next time we're going to cover chapters 90 and 92 of Winter. Barb, where can people find Badass Literature Society podcast? Pretty much anywhere you find podcasts. I, we are everywhere. We made sure of that. <laughs> Any, right? Your favorite, uh, what is it? Your favorite uh, podcast listening app or website or uh, the, there was one that someone was using. And I was like, oh my gosh, how is this a thing? It was like their can't even remember it wasn't a phone it wasn't a computer and i was like you can listen to podcasts on this thing like a fridge or something and i was like that's amazing go for it i'm on audible see my podcast is yeah. on audible yeah i didn't know that was a thing i had someone the other day they were like hey i was listening on audible i was like i'm on audible. <laughs> it's another i didn't do that <laughs> right like because because what people don't know is we don't do that like we just give our podcast to our platform mm-hmm. and our platform distributes mm-hmm. it mm-hmm. Yeah. So I had no idea that my platform was, like, talking to Audible, like, getting me hooked right, up. Right, exactly. <laughs> that, that's the same thing. I was like, I'm sorry, who is listening to us on a fridge, and how is I'm that sorry, possible? could you please <laughs> expand my mind? Can you broaden my horizons right? for me, please? <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, hell, if, you know, wherever you can listen, that's apparently our our good uh, bus route is just making Yay! it available everywhere, so. <laughs> Thank <Yeah>. you. <laughs> So, listeners, you can find links for Barb and her podcast, as well as our featured fan artists, in the show notes. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe. Please check out the new Prince Kai FanPod Patreon, where you can get lots of different bonus perks, including these beautiful bracelets and bookmarks that I'm making. <laughs> That's it. Thank you so much for being of here. Of course. It's always good times. I'm actually, like, proud. We did it in under three hours, kind of. I mean, it's like two and a half hours, but it's close. Let's be honest, it had nothing to do with us and all of the fact that they were short of chapters. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. Like, I'm not going to toot my own horn here. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, exactly. Uh, Maybe Uh, one of these days it will actually work how it's intended. Whenever we end up in the same city and they can just, like, come to my house. (laughs) Exactly. It'll work just fine. 
We'll do a live one. It's going to happen, ladies and gentlemen. Yes, that would be awesome. Of course. That would be so fun. (laughs) Thank you for having me. It's always a pleasure. Anytime. (laughs) It was really good to finally have you back on an episode, and it worked out really well that you were on this particular episode. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Keep reading, keep listening, and until next time, don't get glamored. Bye. Bye. The chapters discussed today are from Winter by Marissa Meyer, and the audio clips were from Rebecca Solaire's performance of Winter, a Macmillan audiobook production. This podcast is hosted and produced by Bethany Finger, and today's special guest was Barb from the Badass Literature Society podcast. The intro-outro music was composed by Emma Pavo, and the logo art was created by Sunlit Tangles on Instagram. Thank you for listening.